Live from the Padawanami Studios in Idaho Falls, Idaho, I'm your host, Jared Andrus, and welcome to History on the Dark Side. Hello, and welcome back to the Dark Side. Here, once again, is Katie. How are you? I'm doing good. You didn't have enough talking about the Nazis last time, apparently. I needed more. Now, Katie has recently listened to most of the episode with Bobby Joe about sterilization, but I don't think you've heard the one about uh, euthanasia yet. I think that's the one that I did. No, no. You did Volk and... Oh, that's right. That's right. I did not do... I did not do euthanasia. Okay, so just to give you a little recap, so you're not flying blind here. Um, The Nazis, bad people. Yes. Already sterilizing people against their will. Uh Uh-huh. Started a program where they were killing children. Oh, that's not cool. As well as adults who had mental or physical disabilities. Also not cool. And it turned out to not be that popular. Surprising. Because all these things were happening in Germany. And so, even if you're out on the outskirts of town, if all of a sudden there's this weird smell of burning flesh and buses full of people are coming in but no one's ever leaving, it turns out the average citizen, even in Nazi Germany, goes, something's very wrong here. Yeah. Not okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, a lot of this, and it's called Action T4, a lot of what went on there kind of subsided because there was a little bit of a public outcry and people didn't know what had happened to their family members. And all of that's going to remain kind of the same, like the Nazis still want to do these things, but it's not politically working out for them Mm -hmm. until 1941. Okay, what happened in 1941? Well, I guess there's two things that happened. So let's start with 1939 and then we'll get to 1931, 41 and met. So in 39, the war starts. World War II. Yes, World War II starts. Gotcha. The Germans make this really hokey, fake attack on a border, like, radio station because apparently the Poles really didn't like AM radio. I don't know. Nobody believed it, but this was the cause for the war, that some Polish people came and took over this frontier border town radio station. Uh It was an attack on German soil, and so it was important that Poland be absolutely destroyed at that point. Okay. So that was the stated cause for going to war. Pretty um, insignificant in my eyes, but all right. Right, right. I mean, by that cause, then in the last summer, you know, of 2020, we've had lots of world (laughs) wars right here in America. so. So they've got that going on. The war starts, and what the Germans have done as far as technology and warfare and planning and people is absolutely perfectly suited for utterly destroying what the Polish have set up mm-hmm. really fast. Okay. Like, no one in Europe thinks that Poland is strong, but nobody thinks they're just going to cease to exist in three weeks, and that's pretty close to what happened. Oh, Okay. Like, by the time you got mad and really told your local area government that, hey, we have to support our Polish, they're already done. Over. Oh, all right. And this did some very, 
um, unfortunate things for Nazi medicine. Because now, the big problem before with euthanizing and killing people was it's happening on German soil and Germans are seeing it. But guess what we have now? We can do it on Polish soil. We have half of Poland because he already divided up with Stalin and the Russians before they ever fought. But now they have a giant laboratory basically where they can do whatever they want. And there's not going to be anybody there to say anything about it. Yeah. It's an occupied territory, so if the military is running that camp, that's not going to be a problem. No, that's like best case scenario for Nazi Germany and their their medicine, medicinal practices. Okay. And so that opens up this whole arena. Um, and things are going to move relatively quickly. As we're attacking Poland, there's a high Jewish population there. Mm-hmm. And so the persecution of the Jews is really going to intensify. Yeah. And we're going to move kind of slowly from we just want to persecute them and we want to hate them and we want to hate on them to, oh, by the way, we really need to kill them all. That's That takes a little while. Okay. The big step along the way is, I guess, they, they want to account for everybody Jewish. They need to know who they are. Mm-hmm. They want to register everybody. Yes. So we can find them. And then we're going to gather them all. And that's usually, by that time, that's usually when they start having them wear the patches and stuff like that to identify them, right? Right, right. So they've got that going on in country. But you're going to start seeing this movement to consolidate them all in the ghettos. Uh-huh. So the Warsaw Ghetto is probably the most well-known. Yeah. But any big city with a high Jewish population, they would basically just seal off mm-hmm. and stuff all the Jews in there and not really do anything to provide for them. Yeah, that's a recipe for disaster. Well, it's a it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that just gets worse and worse as we go along this road. The whole point of Nazi propaganda about the Jews is that they're vermin, they're parasites, they're a sickness, they're dirty. They are these negative things that impact the German Volk. Yes. Like we talked they're, about. They're taking away from that perfect society that they're trying to build within these three generations. And if you have a picture... I don't know if we talked about this or not. When I teach this stuff in in my class, I have a picture of a German family Uh from 1938 or so, 37, somewhere in the late 30s. And I have a picture of a Jewish family in Germany. Yeah. Same year, more or less. They look the same. You cannot tell these people apart. Mm -hmm. So it's difficult for those who are going to... um, want to persecute the Jews if they can't tell who they are. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to treat them like animals and treat them like garbage and treat them like parasites. Well, they look exactly the same as you do. They look like you and your neighbor. It's a problem. And so one of the things that goes on, and this isn't medical, this is much more political and social, is on top of how we're going to refer to the Jews and the words we're going to use to describe them. Though that is phrased in medical or health terminology and jargon Mm -hmm. but now we're going to slowly start making them look the part okay when you see pictures of the people that are alive or dead when the camps are liberated yeah do they even look that human Mm, not really they've been like like they've been starved and beat and so they just look like weary and broken down 
And, and they've got that far away look in their eyes. and They've been so dehumanized that right. they don't look human. Right. They've physically been dehumanized. Yes. So if I'm going to convince somebody that these people are dirty, well, they are now because I forced you to live in these conditions mm -hmm. and not fed you and provided you no medical care, no clean water. I ripped you away from your family so you're utterly like hopeless and in despair. I've dressed you and these clothes that were on the last nine people who have died, they've never been washed. They're lice ridden. They're infected. They're all like parasitic. That's smells awful. I'm sure it does, yeah. So now, when we get to that point, it's a lot easier to make people buy your propaganda about how these aren't people. These. So, so then is that kind of the main driving factor for a lot of the concentration camps is we need to start getting these people to look like the vermin that they are? I don't know if it's one of the driving things, but psychologically, and when we talk about Nazi medicine, there's this huge psychological component, which yeah. we're going to dwell a lot more on today. Psychologically, that kind of makes that work, yeah. right? Okay. They're, they're going to kill the Jews anyway, and a lot of other people, whether they're in a suit or not. But in order for the people who actually pull the triggers on things... It makes it... Almost easier, for lack yeah. of a better term, because now they now they look the part that they've been saying that they've been this whole time. And we're going to reach this point with um, prisoners in the camps that we had the same with children who were misformed or otherwise handicapped or mentally distraught, whatever's going on. Like there's times where the nurses would feel so bad for this baby's, this infant's plight that they thought it was an act of mercy to kill them, for real. Mm -hmm. And that has little to do with the Nazis, but they would feel sympathy for their plight and feel like they're helping them escape a bad situation. Yeah. If I'm a guard in one of those camps, pretty much any of those Jews I see, I can imagine that same concept, right? Yeah, like I'm doing you a favor by taking you out of these awful conditions. Right. Okay. And that's going to make the net of people who will participate much wider. Mm -hmm. Because so far, it's it's a pretty small circle of people that all happen to be like really prominent in society, like they're lawyers and doctors and psychologists and stuff like that. But it's still a small group of people and they don't have the support of the public at this point. Well, and even you've got these little group of true believers you talk about. But they need the regular rank-and-file bureaucratic people to get things done. Yes. Because we're going to be dealing with trying to deal with millions they're, of people. They're trying to wipe out an entire, an, an entire species of people. Well, I mean, technically it's not a species. Well, but yes, yes, to them it probably is, right? Yeah. They, they want to believe it's a different species or subspecies. So, yeah. Okay, so there's 1939. We now have a new playground. Okay where the Nazis can experiment and learn. And really what they're gonna do more than anything is they're going to upsize. They're gonna take some of the things they learned from their euthanasia program, like gassing people to death. Mm -hmm. They learned that in Germany on their own citizens. Yes. But they're gonna make that bigger. Okay. And it's gonna grow so they can handle more and more people. So when we get to where we're gassing people in a place like Auschwitz or somewhere like that, we're talking about thousands and thousands of people, not a room full of eight or 10. Yeah. So they're going to upsize the event. They're also gonna to have to upsize, what do we do with the bodies? Mm -hmm. That's a huge problem 
which gets handled in a very bureaucratic, very engineering friendly kind of way mm -hmm. that's just sickening to think that the ethical side of that was just ignored almost. Yeah. Okay, so that's 1939. 1941 yes. matters because we're going to invade Russia. Okay. And in Russia, it coincides with the time we're going to deal with Jews differently anyway. Like when we start talking about the final solution, it's 1941, 1942, where we've put away all pretenses of doing anything, but we're just going to try and murder all these people. Okay. That's when they're like the, the plan is really like set in action. Right. We've got the official go ahead from the Wassony conference where Hitler's cool with it. Himmler's ready to drive the train. Let's just kill as many as we can. We're not going to pretend and hide and okay. Let's just go for it. Okay, not a good thing, but that's kind of what we're doing. It's the reality of it. When they do that, one of the things they want to do is with the there's a big Jewish population in Russia. Yeah. Very big. They are not treated well in Russia. Mhm. Mm the Soviet system is very anti any religion. Mm -hmm. And because Jewish people, maybe even more so with Eastern Jewish people, are kind of cliquish and stick together and stand out and do things differently, that makes it so your Nazi, or not, I'm sorry, your, um, your Stalin's regime isn't going to trust them. Yes. So they're already having pogroms and attacks and being singled out and being persecuted. Okay. But then when the Nazis come, they're just going to go right to the chase. And they have these units, the Eisengruppen units. Okay. They're a special unit whose job it is to go in right behind the frontline troops and murder the Jews. Hi, this is your host, Jared. I think there's a problem in this world. I've seen it a lot in the last few years especially, when someone says something you don't like on either side of any issue, and immediately it becomes that the person you disagree with is acting just like the Nazis. In fact, if you look at social media today, you would think there's more Nazis than ever. Well, I hope that's not true, and I thought maybe the way to help with this problem would be through music. So I wrote a little song. There's a problem in this world that's getting worse most every day. We see it on the Facebook and we hear it when our friends say the other side is not just wrong they are trying to crush our soul. It's really just like Germany when those Nazis took control. And if we don't do something fast, we know how this will end. We're being led along those tracks towards Auschwitz they contend but I don't think they're really like the Nazis 
just because they sometimes say some different things. And if they want to change our mind and it gets heated from time to time, I don't think we should ever really choose to compare our disagreement with dead Jews. Because six million people really died in a real-life human genocide. So everything is not just like the Nazis. And no one is stuffing you in cattle cars. If someone disagrees with you, it doesn't mean you're just like the Jews, cause you still have a family and they're not coming out of a chimney. Everything is not just like the Nazis. Everything and everyone are not just like the Nazis. Thank you. Okay. They're not trying to send them to camps. They're not shipping them anywhere. And there's some- These ones are just dying on the spot. They have these entire units that they're gonna go and they're, they're the ones that if you see the pictures where they just dig ditches and they line up men, women, and children and they're all undressed and they all get shot and fall in the ditch. And then they call in the next line and they shoot all them into the ditch and they call in the next one. Okay. This is so not- very inhumane, very unethical. What's the purpose of doing that rather than, like why did they do both? Like ship off people to concentration camps and then also just line them off and take them, line them up and take them all out right there. Okay, so I think the failure of these Eisengruppen groups mm -hmm. is what's going to really give more of a push for the concentration camps. Okay. I think that's gonna answer that question. Um, the other part of answering your question is there's such a deep-seated hatred for the Russians anyway, mm -hmm. and for the communists, and now they're Russian communist Jews. I mean, that's if you're a Nazi, that's the bottom of the food chain. Yeah. That's as low as you can go. And so they just want those people wiped out on foreign soil, never to be dealt with again. And they're going to actually, and you got to think about this, because it's a common thing that happens throughout the entire Holocaust. They're going to dedicate frontline troops who could have been fighting to come in right behind those troops and perform these mass murders. Okay. If you're trying to win a war... That's not the way to do it. You think you use every resource you can at the battle. Mm -hmm. Especially because... Like at the time, since the Jews were the ones being persecuted so much, they're not really the ones in the battle. They're not resisting. They're, yeah, they're definitely feeling the effects of the battle, but they're not necessarily like the enemy. And instead of using those resources to attack whatever the enemy is, they're diverting them to this yes. other group of people yes. that they just hate with so, that they hate so much. So what's that tell you about the German 
belief or dedication to their belief regarding the Jews and other people. It was so strong that they were like willing to risk losing the war as long as they accomplished this goal of wipe out this people. There you go. Okay, so when we talk about Hitler and Himmler and some of the other true believers in the Nazi party, they're true believers. Like they believe we've got to get rid of these Jews to get rid of this cancer on Germany and Europe and the world as much as it matters or winning the war won't matter because what will we win? Mm -hmm. All these problems. It's like a really, really flawed risk in order to like risk for betterment mindset. If we, even if we lose the war, at least we don't have as many people that are going to plague our society. And on the off chance that we do win the war, we have actually succeeded in removing that so-called plague. And at that point, there's not a feeling of it being either or. They're being very successful on the battlefield. Yes. And they're having absolute free reign with how they want to deal with the Jews or homosexuals or the gypsies, the Roma, any of these groups they disdain, they've got free reign with. Which only helps their cause more because now not only... Are they diverting their troops in order to go, like the, what's the name for them? The Eisengruppen. The Eisengruppen, to go and take care of all these Jews instead of fighting in the war. But they have the capabilities to do that anyway, since they're technically winning at this point. Right. Okay. There's a not-so-surprising problem that occurs from the soldiers that are in these Eisengruppen units. Mm -hmm. What do you think? psychologically like that will mess you up yes yes it does <laughs> when you are murdering men oh, women and children all day long when that is what you're doing it turns out that will in fact mess up your brain no matter how much of an ardent believer you are it will have a lot of mental psychological effects it's very damaging the the troops can't do this duty for a long period of time They've got to get out of there. Um, a lot of them are turning to alcohol. because I mean, that's the drug of choice back then. And just getting pounded because that's how they're going to psychologically numb what's going on. Which only messes up so many other things because on top of all the psychological stuff. But then you have people that are taking in mass amounts of alcohol. That's going to affect their physical health as well. So in a weird way, it is this psychological trauma on these Eisengruppen troops, which develops the need for a better, more efficient way to kill people. Which is where the concentration camps come in, right? Right. Okay. And you're gonna have some key distinctions that fit the overall psychological profile here. And again, this isn't so much about doctors or nurses, but psychology is medicine. Mm -hmm. Psychiatry is medicine, all these mental issues that come up, they're part of what Germany has to deal with. They recognize them, they realize they're real, and they have to do something different if they want a different result because they're losing good troops who are they're just having mental breaks because mm-hmm. of this. So they develop a system that's going to allow people to participate in the killing Um, from a distance without being the trigger guy right like if up until we stopped having firing squads and 
I think you could still get a firing squad in Utah, in America. I don't know the last time anybody got killed by firing squad for like a crime or something, mm -hmm. but it's been a long time in America. Yeah. But typically when you have a firing squad, you might have three or five or seven people with rifles, mm -hmm. whatever the number is, and at least one of those people is firing a blank. Yes. Why? Because then... Do they know, like, which person nope. is firing the blank? of course not. Then that's why. Because if you know that one person there is firing the blank, so if you're on the firing squad, then you can put the guilt on everyone else. You can be like, well, no, I wasn't the one that killed them. I must have had the blank. Right. When in reality, nobody knows who it was. Okay. So that little psychological ploy keeps people... And that's people who are enforcing, you know, a law against maybe murderers or someone who's been convicted. Okay, they have problems too without something like that to hold on to and go, okay, I am not, I'm not the one. Fault. I'm not the one. So in these Eitzengruppen troops, there's nobody with a blank. You it's line them up, shoot them, reload, shoot them, reload. And sometimes there's still people in the pile underneath with now bodies on top of them that maybe never got shot. Sometimes they go through and shoot into the pile. Most of the time they just leave them. And like you were saying, it's not like it's just it's one group of these Jews. No, it's like men, women, and children. Yes. And that all plays a big effect on it too because if you have all these screaming, crying people, mothers and fathers trying to protect their kids, that's going to only make it that much worse. Because th this is the opposite of dehumanization, right? This Here, is making it flipping real. And these soldiers have wives and children. And they, I'm sure that there's plenty of them that are like, oh my gosh, what if this was my family, you know? Mm -hmm. And that all plays so much into the psychological effect is that they are taking away these families just like that. And to be sure, there's going to be that super rare number of sadists who just get off on it. They actually enjoy that crap. Because unfortunately, there are those people in every society and every time but the amount of people that are okay with that versus the amount of people that were really, really messed up from doing this was so astronomically low that that's why they had to yeah. start diverting to the concentration camps. Right. And at first they thought, well, if we use the people that are the strongest believers and believe the most in these racial hygiene things, then it's going to mess with them the least. And they thought, well, we're going to pick... Not sadists, but people who really believe in this vision of saving the Volk. And mm -hmm. So these were really very loyal party members who but were picked for that purpose. But they're still humans they with are. brains. They are. And so if anything, they just weakened their strongest supporters. And I think of an example that I know you may not. So your grandpa, my yes. dad, okay, he fought in the Vietnam War. Yeah. He doesn't talk much about it. Yeah. <laughs> And what he does, sometimes it's little funny stories. He doesn't like to talk about painful stories. Okay, one thing I remember him telling me is that he has seen his friends get shot and die next to him. Mm -hmm. So he's seen that, and that messes you up. Yep. But one thing that he's always taken some relief in is he never, ever physically saw his bullet kill another man. Mm-hmm. It's coming back to that firing squad example. Like for him, whatever psychological scars and damage grandpa has, 
he can he's, always kind of push it off, be like, well, maybe that guy that died was from the person next to me. Right. Maybe that was from this person over here. Since he never saw his bullet hit this person, it doesn't, all of those little tiny factors do play a role in the psychology of it. They do. You need those little possible moments of wasn't me in order for your mind not to just get fixated on on the moral issue of it all. Mm -hmm. So that's where we are. Germany's first attempt at mass murder of the Jews was a very non-medically inspired thing. Line them up and shoot them. Nothing's more basic than that. But it had a very profound medical result on the killers. Mm -hmm. And they were unable to go in. And ultimately that's, you know, what the people in charge of that unit are saying is, hey, we're not going to be able to do this indefinitely because yeah. men can't do it. They're breaking. We've got to find a better way. Yeah. All right. So that goes down. And then we start trying to think of, well, how can, what can we learn from what we did with the euthanasia campaign? So some of the things they learned from there that they're going to upsize and upscale is the, the whole shower thing. Right? Mm -hmm. Hey, we're going to have the showers. You need to come take a shower. If you're a prisoner going into jail, even today, that's probably a thing, you know? Yeah. Um, it wouldn't have been unheard of back then. And they're going to tell you a lot of medical things about it. Hey, we need to make sure you don't get lice mm -hmm. or you don't have, you know, fleas. There's these diseases that parasites bear around. We've got to make sure you're clean of those for your health and safety. Yeah. A lie, because they don't care. They but, want them to get those parasites because it helps re restrengthen the image right. that they're trying to portray. Well, and even that's only sort of true. Like the Germans want you to die when they want you to die. They're not happy. If you don't die on their schedule, they're pissed. <laughs> they're a little uh, micromanagey that way, I guess. So they want to um, develop these ways to keep you calm on the way to your death. Until it's just too late and it doesn't matter. Like at some point, they seal you in the airproof room and you see the gas coming out. You're going to scream. Yeah. You know then. But it doesn't matter then. It's too late. They try and soundproof this stuff as much as they can so that the, the people pushing the buttons and locking the doors don't have to suffer as much. Yeah. And they're going to do some, uh, some other psychological things to remove themselves from that responsibility too. But they want to make things as pleasant as they can. So this idea of um, getting you ready, getting you clean, sterilizing you, having an admittance procedure, all that comes from the, the T4 euthanasia campaign. Um, the showers, walking into a place like that. You know, people would neatly fold their clothes and put them off to the side and they'd let you. They think, they want to make it look like you're going to come back to these. Yeah. It's nice that they're neatly folded because they're going to send those back to Germany. Yep, and they're going to put them on another group of people. Absolutely. Um, they would go so far is at some point people would realize that when, like if you're a Jew in Europe, you're going to hear rumors pretty early yep. that if you go to these camps, you're dead. You're dying. People are dying. It's only a secret because it's so far away, and if I'm a German and it's not happening here, and I don't want to know about it. It's pretty easy for me to go, that's just a rumor. That's not actually I don't happening. have to know about it. If I'm Jewish, I want to know everything, because it could be me next. But if you're not the one that it's getting done to, 
then you don't have to care. Right. Thank you for listening to Season 2 of History on the Dark Side. If you're enjoying this season, I highly recommend the following book, The Nazi Doctors by Robert J. Lifton. Not only is it valuable source material, but this is the definitive book on this subject matter. As far as documentaries go, I highly recommend Auschwitz, The Nazis and the Final Solution by the BBC. I don't think there's a better documentary about the final solution. I'd like to recommend iCivics. Now, this doesn't have much to do with the Nazis, but if you are a history teacher like myself, or you have a history class, or you're just interested in anything to do with American government or American history, there's a lot of materials at iCivics.com that you can use. And I also want to recommend the Anchor app. If you need to distribute or make a podcast, they make it pretty simple. Special thanks to a lot of people who helped this show happen. I'd like to thank... My cohorts at Eagle Rock Middle School, Jeff and Brett, they listen to me go on and on about what I'm trying to do and help kind of guide my thoughts. I give a lot of thanks to my family. Not only do I have the kids that come up and guest host, they also do some work in the background as far as some of the engineering and helping out with the parody commercials. I suppose if you're listening to this now, you already know how to find the program, but feel free to recommend it to any of your friends that might like it as well. It's available on iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, so just about anywhere you can find a podcast, you should be able to find The Dark Side. I have recently started a YouTube channel for History on the Dark Side, so if, you would, if it's easier for you to watch or to listen to the audio on YouTube, you can find me there. And currently under construction, I have a website, historyonthedarkside.com. So hopefully sometime before the end of season two, that is up and running. Thank you once again. I'm so grateful for anybody who takes the time to listen to this. And I will see you next time on The Dark Side. <laughs>